Hello there and welcome to the Career Competitor, the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I'm Steve Meller and I encourage you to head to careercompetitor.com where firstly you can access all our most recent episodes of the show, but additionally you can learn so much more about the services that I offer. As a coach, I am working within the life and career industry on a one-on-one level, but I also work with teams on a corporate level as well. You can sign up for a free consultation by just emailing me on the links within the website. So I encourage you to head to careercompetitor.com right now and also follow us on Instagram, career underscore competitor. Now to today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming in Ryan Ray Harbuck to the Career Competitor Podcast. Now, Ryan is a full-time swim coach. She actually owns a swim team with her husband in Colorado. And on the surface, that sounds like a fairly straightforward career competitor podcast episode today. But Ryan's story is one, quite frankly, that you're going to need to buckle in for and get yourself comfortable because you have no idea what is about to come your way. Now, I believe that every guest we bring onto this show is bringing something to the table that we can go away and apply, whether it be within our careers, obviously, or furthermore within our lives and in this particular case with Ryan's interview I would really encourage you to have your leadership hat on as you're listening to this episode because Ryan's story is incredible it's worthy of being in a book so much so that Ryan herself has gone ahead and put it into a book her memoir is going to be coming out next year early next year as she's going to give us so much information on as we talk here within the interview but in relation to leadership You're about to hear someone who has incredible ability at being vulnerable, incredible ability at making the most of difficult scenarios. She is so impressive at remaining present in mind and being able to assess any situation. Because of the experiences that she has gone through and learned from, she is now in a position where her toolbox, and I use that word very deliberately, her toolbox now is filled with all these incredible qualities and skills that can allow her to lead on such a higher level. So I really encourage you to be paying as much attention as possible to this incredible story that you're about to be told by Ryan, because there's so many great lessons that you can actually take and apply to yourself. And we can all become better leaders because of Ryan's story and just some of the great insight that she provides here within our discussion. So without any further delay, let's get to our interview with Ryan Ray Harbuck on the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy. Okay, well, it is my absolute pleasure to be welcoming in Ryan Ray Harbuck to the Career Competitor Podcast. Firstly, Ryan, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, doing wonderful. All the better to be sitting and speaking here with you. And I think one thing on this show I I am so uh, beneficial of over the years has been being able to bring somebody on who not only has a story to tell, but has an an enormous opportunity really to be impacting people um, the world over through your story and, and, and also just with some of the things you have coming up too, some of the things you're planning ahead. Uh, looking towards 2022, I can't wait to get into it all. Quite frankly, like I've already told you, Ryan, it's it's so exciting for me to be to be sat here speaking with you. Why don't you start off just by telling everybody what it is you're doing currently today? Okay, currently today, um, my husband and I own a swim team, and mm. we coach that team. Um, 
aside from that, I uh, have been chronicling stories from my life and I'm putting them together and I'm getting ready to publish my memoir. And um, so beyond sitting in this little corner of, of my house trying to keep my year old quiet, that's what <laughs> that's what I've got going on today. <laughs> and that is easily the biggest challenge you have going on is keeping a two-year-old <laughs> quiet. Someone that someone that has a two-year-old of their own, trust me, that is not an easy task. That is not an easy task. Um, well, good stuff. Well, Ryan, I, I, I do want to try and dive right into this in terms of just your story and, and, and why it is that you've been, uh, I've asked you to come on the show here today. And uh, as you alluded to there, you, you're writing a memoir at the moment. And for me personally, um, I'm always so in awe of people that have the truly just have the, the guts to do something like that you know putting your life out there putting your story out there uh, it's such a vulnerable thing to do it, it really does draw every ounce of attention you can possibly ask for on, on oneself so why don't we start with the story that sort of brought you to this point that makes you you know obviously put you in this position today to be writing the memoir absolutely um so i think mostly the thing that I have in my life. Um, when I was 16 years old, I was in a car accident, um, a pretty well-known car accident from where I stood. Um, there was five of us, six of us actually, six of us in a car um, coming back from a school dance. And <clears throat> nobody really knows what happened, but the car ended up flipping and hitting traffic coming the other direction. And um, I ended up flying out of the car. I was paralyzed instantly from about the chest down. Um, you know, this was when I was 16 years old. And so um, I think that um, obviously it was something that was devastating for my family, for my community, for my school, my friends, um, and, and for myself as well. However, I think that um, I'm also sort of lucky that it happened when it did because I was still uh, you know, a teenager. I was naive and I just wanted to be normal and I just wanted to keep going about my day. And so I think that the timing of that accident really allowed me to do that. You know, I was paralyzed. I had to learn how to use a wheelchair um, you know, everything in my life shifted, but yet I was still this teenager that just wanted to be like everybody else. And so I fought really hard from the get-go to be able to do the things that I always did. And one of those things was swimming. I had grown mm -hmm. up my entire life being a swimmer and that was, you know, and that was always my identity. And so I, I really remember that there was never really like a question after my accident, after I got out of the hospital, there was never a question in my mind whether or not I was going to continue to do that. It was just like, yeah, just put me in the water, somebody. <laughs> um, and, um, and so, you know, I, I spent, I spent months in the hospital. I spent about three months in the hospital, just recovering from various things other than just my spinal cord injury. I had broken almost every bone. I had collapsed lungs, um, wow. things like that. And so by the time I got out of the hospital, I had missed like the last semester of my junior year of high school. And, and so I was going into the summer. Um, the very first place I went at, as I got out of the hospital, as they drove me in this giant van to go home, I said, can we go to the pool? And they took me to our neighborhood pool and I got to 
just kind of like wait around in there. And that was, you know, one of the first things that I realized about swimming in my life after my injury is that I didn't have to use a wheelchair. It was going to be one of the things that I didn't have to rely on something else. And my body still moved. Every part of my body still moved in the water. And it was like, you know, very cathartic and very much just like, Hey, I've still got this. And all of a sudden I, you know, I went from a varsity level athlete to obviously the slowest person in the pool. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky if I made it 20 minutes swimming before I was just exhausted and my body would start shaking. And, um, and I remember it being something that I would try to blow off like, Oh, it's fine. I'm just, I'm swimming and I'm tired and I'm, my legs don't work and it's fine. It's whatever. But then I, I do recall that year going to the swim meets and watching the events, watching the, my favorite events, watching mm-hmm. the kids that I knew that I used to be able to beat. And it was really, really hard. And, yeah. and, uh, but I also think it was a very defining moment for me where it was like, you know, this kind of stinks and it's okay that it stinks, but I can move forward. I can find something else in it, you know, and then just whatever life happened. And I kind of closed that door. Um, at that time I, I was coaching a summer league team. I started coaching my old high school team. And then somehow I kind of wound back up into, um, coaching more regularly, um, and full time. And then I realized two things. I've realized one that I was getting really competitive with my Mm -hmm. swimmers. And I realized that that wasn't, you know, that was something that I wasn't resolving within myself. And so I needed to step back in that regard. Um, and it was like, well, maybe I need to look at my swim life, my goals and, and, and not try to put them upon my athletes and say like, you, you don't want to regret this when, you know, meanwhile, it was like, maybe I'm the one that was regretting that. Um, and then I also got really, really sick and I, I got really sick. I had to spend over eight months in bed. Um, I had, yeah, I had a wound that they couldn't really figure out it wasn't healing. Um, I finally ended up having surgery, but I spent over eight months in bed. And I, during that time, it was like probably the darkest time I've ever had. You know, I was very much alone. I couldn't do, I couldn't work. I couldn't, you know, people would come visit me and it just, it, you know, it didn't feel great, but I started dreaming about swimming just like me pushing through the water, things like that. Um, and really, and that was like a really big piece for me, P E A C, you know, it was like, (laughs) it was like all of a sudden I realized how much swimming meant to me and, and not just coaching, but like my swimming. And so as soon as I was well enough, I actually, (laughs) um, without my doctors knowing I wrapped my wound up. I would hop in the car, drive to the pool and I would just start swimming. And because I was like, well, I'm not really touching anything and, you know, I'm just swimming. And so I, I I just started doing these little secret swims. Um, I'm not even sure that I told like anybody in my family. And there was one moment that in the middle of the swim, it was like, Hey, I, I think I owe it to myself to, to actually put some effort into this. You know, I think that there are, was a lot about swimming, even though it was such a part of me that I didn't do for myself. And, um, you know, I would, I would, 
argue that I had some regrets that I didn't try my hardest, that I didn't do everything that I could do personally. And so at one point, you know, I, I'm like at this little like rec center with like three lanes all by myself. There's nobody in the pool. And I have this like very defining moment of like, I owe it to myself to try one more time and I'm going to do this. And as soon as I was well enough, as soon as I was healed, went back to work, I started training. And I said, you know, at that time it was 2010. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to set my sights for the next Paralympic games. And I actually did research. I figured out what, what that actually meant <laughs> <laughs> and what I had to do. And I mean, and I, I started just putting everything that I could into that moment. Mm-hmm. And it became kind of like a, a mantra for me. Uh, you know, I, I, at that time I was teaching high school kids and I, you know, shared it with my high school kids all this time. Like, like, Hey, like, this is what I'm doing. I am trying, I am putting a hundred percent of myself into this one thing just so I can see what happens. And, you know, I was getting up at three 30 in the morning so that I could train before teaching a full day. I get and that. I, I feel that. I, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, how did I ever do that? Right. Um, but, and so I, I worked really, really hard for two years and you know, I think it was it was 2011, the Para Pan Am Games, which go alongside the Pan Am Games. I was chosen to swim um, in Guadalajara, Mexico for USA for that. And that was a huge feat for me. That was like, OK, OK, I'm not I'm not delusional here. Like I'm actually doing something. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I got the, um, that experience. And that was, you know, that was such a great experience. It was, you know, if for those who don't know, the Pan Am Games are sort of like a mini Olympics mm. of the Americas. And it felt just like that to me. And it, it it really like gave me another boost to like say, okay, you know, these 3.30 a.m. workouts, they're, they're doing their thing. And so I continued on and um, went to the Paralympic trials in Bismarck, North Dakota that year. And I felt, you know, I mean, I, like I landed there from the plane. And I was like, I've got this, I've done everything in my power. I have zero regrets. Like I'm just going to put it all out there and see what happens. And, and I had great swims. I swam, I don't even know how many events I swam all the events that they would let me swim. (laughs) And I, um, had a a ton of best times. I think I even broke an American record at that time there. And I did a really good job. Um, and I didn't make the team. Uh, I, it was really interesting going into the whole experience when I got to North Dakota and I knew that I had done everything that I needed to do to be there. And I was very much at peace with that and, and knew that I had done everything. I also had this just like inkling that like something really monumental was about to happen. And I wasn't totally sold on it being me going to the Olympics or the Paralympics. Right. Right. I just I just knew that there was something very powerful within that trip. And you, you know what, there was. And it was um, right before I went to swim my very last event at finals, was filling up my water bottle at the uh, water fountain. And this guy, this coach came up to me and we started talking and I had seen him all around the meet the entire time. And somehow we started, we talked and I exchanged my email, phone number, something was like, oh, I'll help you with Paralympic stuff. He had just 
um, come with one single athlete, didn't really know about Paralympic stuff that well and, and thought that that would be a good opportunity for us to connect. Um, I almost missed my last race, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> um, and it turns out that um, he and I connected really, really well that just at that moment. And um, he ended up being that really monumental thing for me. Um, we uh, started talking and Skyped and um, he was living in North Carolina at the time. And uh, within three months of meeting, we were married. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't recommend that. that normally. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got engaged within six months, so I'm not, you know, okay. I'm not too, too far behind you. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. And that's, and you know, and the rest is sort of history. Like I, yeah. I didn't make that team, but I, and it, that wasn't where my story ended. You know, it was very clear to me. And in so many ways, it was just starting. It's truly incredible. Listening to this entire story up till 2012, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about everything that's happened since then. But as I'm, as I'm listening to you, one thing that really comes to mind is the, uh, this sort of fortitude of mindset that you've, you seem to have throughout the entire process. And I'm sure you had bad days. It's, it, I can't imagine someone can go through what you went through and not have bad days along the way. But so many of the, the milestones, because I, I would call them milestones because every single time you were doing something, it was very much an achievement. It was very much a step in the right direction. It seems as though there was this complete resilience of I recognize the hand that I've been dealt here. This is really, really difficult and something that I'm going to have to embrace, quite frankly. And if I don't embrace it, it will beat me. It will beat me. And, and for you, looking back, let's say from that moment of the accident until you, if we go all the way as, as far as, as 2012 and you look at so many things that you decided to to do for the first time, to start again, and, and, and all these sort of new, these new things and these first time things and uh, reinventions of yourself, however you want to put it, where do you, where do you maybe see that, that resilience? Where do you see that sort of fortitude within your mind? Where did that come from? Or, or, or why was your mind shaped and, and, and creating these catalysts from within the way in which they were, do you think? I think because the alternative was I would lay in bed for the rest of my life you know I mean like it I think I learned really early on that my life was going to be whatever I made it and I think having my injury and being a very very visible disability mm -hmm. you know I, I could I you know I could walk in a room or roll into a room and everybody would know that there was something different with me and so very early on I learned that it was sort of up to me to let the world know that I was okay um and that was that was something I I had to learn pretty early on and I did it in my early college years when nobody actually feels really good about anything and so <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I think that was a big struggle of mine but it was also super beneficial because it was, you know, a very sort of character defining where, where, you know, I think all growing up, if I had it my way, I would be a wallflower and I would be very shy and very quiet and nobody would really even know that I existed. But, but that wasn't a life that I could live anymore because sure. it was very, very clear that 
that I wasn't going to go anywhere without somebody noticing me or wondering something. Um, in fact, I just had this conversation the other day um, with a friend. Um, I realized I was I was taking my little two-year-old for a walk and uh, we walked past this woman and she stopped me and she said, can I ask you a question? And, and I realized right at that moment before she even said anything else that I knew what she was going to ask me because everybody asks me, it's always the same thing. You know, what happened? What's, what's wrong? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And I, and I wondered to myself, like, does anybody else feel like that? Does anybody else have that? Like, you know, someone stops you and says, can I ask you a question? And you already know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, and so it's, that's really interesting because here you are talking about how naturally you had this um, version of yourself that you would rather just sort of blend into the wall and be in the background. And in college, as you said, you know, you're wheeling into a room and people immediately are drawn to you. They look at you right away. But yet everything I'm hearing is someone that was incredibly comfortable in their own skin. Like, because that's, that's what I'm hearing. And, and, and when you look at the college years and how they define you, again, as someone that worked in college athletics for 10 years, went to college myself for six years, <laughs> not a lot of people are comfortable in their skin. A lot of people are, are, are very uncomfortable. They're, they're always trying to be a version of something that they think someone else wants them to be. And again, going back to that mindset that it seems that you had from that moment of the accident, it appears as though you were very accepting. And you, and you said it there too, that you felt as though for such a, a terrible in, in so many ways for such a terrible incident to occur you said that this couldn't have been a better time in your life for the incident to occur what an incredible way to look at it you know it, it really is I mean because for me for me how does a human being see that in the moment and say hey if this was going to happen to me now's a good time for it to happen to me but it is a life-altering incident at the same time so Again, you know, it's, it's not even really a question. It's more of just a, a thought of how you got to that point in life so early on and to the point where it's clearly been something that you've maintained up until this point as well. There's such a comfort within yourself of who I am, what I'm about, and, and, and the impact I'm going to have on people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like survival of the fittest in some regard, yeah. you know, how really going to live this life that I've been given mm. in the best way that I possibly can. And, um, you know, obviously you're right. Like there are days that totally stink that, you know, I'm like, why would I end up like this? Or, you know, I mean, I remember when I had my kids and it was like, gosh, this is not fair for them to have, you know, a mom that's disabled or different or, mm. and, but in the same realm, like, they're also very lucky because they, you know, have that sort of difference in their lives and they have a different perspective sort of built into their lives that they don't even know to appreciate yet. And I don't know, it's, it's all about how you look at it. <laughs> what, yeah, what a great way to put it. And, 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 you know, again, as you're talking there, you mentioned that your life will be what you make it. And you referenced earlier as well as you were telling your story that inner peace, again, P-E-A-C-E, um, <laughs> that inner peace that you found as you, as you were dreaming about swimming. 
And for you, it was swimming. And, and for other people listening to this, I hope, again, and this was 2010, 2010, I think you said, that you were, you were feeling this way. And you, yeah. you look at the world that we live in today as, we, as we're about to hit 2022, you look at this world today and we talk so much about finding that inner self, finding that comfort with who we are. It's very much part of the narrative today. And yet almost 12 years ago, you were able to distinguish that about yourself, that this is really imperative that I wake up at 3.30 in the morning and that I find this exercise, I find this task, what, however you want to put it, I find this thing in my life that's going to provide the peace, the peace of mind, the peace of self, however you want to put it, that is going to allow me to go on likely every single day and do what it is you want to do to the best version of yourself. And you said it to the kids too, like you said, in, in school. Hey, I did something today at 3.30 in the morning while you were all fast asleep <laughs> that, that gave me that inner peace. And for them to get a message like that at such a young age is so incredibly powerful for you now let's fast forward a little bit where does that inner peace come from what is it you do today that provides that inner peace for you oh man what is so i would say really honing in on little things on little pieces of my day i am constantly and i've and i've been like this for several years now i'm constantly telling myself remember that moment or Hmm. Stop right here, breathe, breathe that in, whatever. Um, just to really, I think, you know, a lot of what my accident and my injuries gave me was a real perspective of how just finite life is and mm-hmm. how, you know, things can change at any minute. And so to really, really be appreciative and open to that moment right now. And so, you know, I can look at my kids as I'm like about to completely lose it on them because they're screaming at each other and fighting and hitting. And I can stop and kind of hold that in for a moment and, you know, figure out like, what do I want to do with that? How do I reflect within myself to get it back to them? And, and, and so it's, it's a moment by moment sort of, you know, just like holding on to things that I think that people neglect to look at because it's things that are passing by them because they're Mm -hmm. so focused on, you know, I need to do this in five years. And so all of this right now moment just goes away. And that's a shame because we don't know we have that five years from now moment. (laughs) Wow. Like such a, and again, this is, I love this about the show sometimes is that I, someone just says something that just like, makes my brain slightly explode because because for me I, I couldn't be in any more agreement. I, I I I try and apply this exact same I don't know methodology whatever you want to put it um, on on a day-to-day basis myself it, it's a huge part of the reason why I think being a parent is the greatest challenge in the world because you have almost some days it feels like millions of moments where you can decide okay Am I going to pay attention to this? Am I going to react to this? Am I going to think this over? It, it's it's one after the other after the other, depending on just how much those kids want to test you that day. Uh, but you know, so for for me personally, I, you know, I have a two and a half year old and a one year old, and so for me, in the last two and a half years, people refer to it as patience, but it's almost not patience. It's more, 
am I willing to reflect? Am I willing to look internally and say, is this a moment I want to overreact to, react responsibly to, remain quiet, whatever it may be? And, and in that moment, we're actually reacting anyway. By doing that, we're actually we're taking our first reaction and, and thinking things through. And I do think this is incredibly uh, relative to anyone listening to this from a career standpoint as you go through your day-to-day. There are millions of moments throughout your year where you can decide, okay, is this going to be a moment where I allow my mind to wander and look towards the next two, three, four years, as you put it, or am I going to remain present? And is there something in this moment that I can actually benefit from right now that if and when that moment five years from now comes along, this moment right here will have helped me once I get to that moment as well. And I I think it's, it's... Parenthood is just an easy example because it is an every single day thing and and you never get too many reps. Let's put it that way. The reps are just never ending. But listening to you right now, it it makes me think how applicable so much of what you're saying is to just about anyone in any walk of life at, at this point, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and something that you said, um, just a few minutes ago made me really think about, you said you, you were talking about how life today and it really kind of jolted me back to like, yeah, we're still living in, in a pandemic life here. Yeah. And, and it made me think about um, when everything first locked down for us, for the world, it actually felt very much how I felt when I was on bed rest. And I felt sort of like comforted, like, hey, I know how to do this. You know, every the whole entire world is freaking out because we can't go to the store. We can't go, you know, have a, you know, a meal at a restaurant, all these things. And then and all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, I've done this before. And it's okay. Hey, world, it's okay. Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, and, and and so it kind of like made me think about that moment where, you know, when we were first immediately locked down and everybody is kind of losing it. And I felt so much like, Hey, I, I know how to do this. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we can all rise above this. We can all step back, slow down, take a breath. And I really feel like that's, we're starting to see some of that now. I think a lot of people have sort of slowed down their lives, mm-hmm. looked at, you know, what's important to them and things like that. Yeah, and and that's a great point because in the sense of I think people have learned how to pursue a career, pursue a job and hold on to some of those smaller things that maybe they discovered about themselves when they were left with nothing but their own company for 18 months, um, you know, and yeah. I think it, 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 it's a topic It's a topic that I can talk probably for numerous episodes about, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, and in, in relation to in, in relation to your story, Ryan, you know, I, I find myself completely drawn to the, as I mentioned already, the lessons of fortitude, the, the, the willingness to persevere, um, but the acceptance, the acceptance of the situation at the same time of, of being very comfortable with who it is you are. Um, that's what I'm taking from your story right now. But with the memoir coming out next year, I would mm-hmm. love in your own words just to kind of tell us, hey, if, if I'm listening to this right now, why am I buying this book a year from now, whenever it may be? Tell, tell us about what this book is going to provide to people in your own words. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I, I'm very hopeful that the book will actually be out January or February. So very Okay, soon. here we go. All right. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, I, 
at first, I think I began writing it as almost sort of like a therapy for myself, as a, almost like a journaling. I don't really know the moment that I decided like, hey, I'm going to write a book, because um, it was about 15 years ago when I started writing this thing. Wow. And, um, and it just kind of chronicled all these little stories in my life. And, and I think they often were stories that I would continually tell my class um, as I was teaching or swimmers that I was coaching, there would always be these little stories that would come up. And so um, I started writing them down. Um, and as I sort of put them all together and pieced them where they should go within this memoir, it really gave me a lot of extra reflection over everything. And yeah. I realized, you know, that so much of the strength that I feel and felt in writing it was solely because of all of the vulnerabilities I've had in my life. And Absolutely. I feel like there, the, those, true, those true times where I felt so yucky and just at a loss and no control and that, you know, basically like wide open naked to the world, those were the times that I was actually the strongest. Mm. and um holding on to some of those feelings i think and and um and being able to harness that sort of like really raw strength that that i found because there have been moments where i'm like oh i'm going to do xyz and that's going to make me strong and that's not true it's the mm. moments that i've lost abc <laughs> that have yeah. really been the things that have really challenged me to sort of go beyond my comfort and beyond the things that I knew that I was capable of. Mm -hmm. And um, so to be able to, to write this all down and realize that I were, was using lessons that I didn't even recognize I had learned. <laughs> yeah. kind of powerful. And it's, that's extremely powerful. It's something that it's something that I wish I, I, I myself did more too. is, is, is almost have that daily check-in, almost like a downloading system where we, where we sit down and we, talk, we try to remind ourselves things that we've taken on, things that we've learned, embraced in, that mo in those moments throughout the day. And it very much goes part of this process. You know, are you willing to reflect, as we just talked about earlier, are you willing to reflect in moments? Are you willing to be a little bit more cautious in how you react? And then what are you taking from that? What are you going to remember from that? What are you going to hold on to from that as you move forwards? But again, if anyone's listening to this, and if you can't relate to someone who's as competitive, and I would tell you that, Ryan, I mean, you're as competitive as anyone who's been on this show. I mean, you can't, you can't accomplish what you've accomplished in your life without being incredibly competitive, whether it's as a simplistic sort of thing as a swimming race or in the case of you, you know, with, with everything you've sort of gone through in the last 20 years, this is obviously someone that has refused to lay down, as you put it, and, 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 and just give up. You've always fought, you've always competed. And when you look at this, some of those words you were saying there about when moments become so yucky, when you're at a loss, when you feel wide open and vulnerable, you found your greatest strength in those moments. And I think for anyone who's trying to be successful, compete at the highest level, conquer whatever it is you feel you may be afraid of, this is what you need to be listening to. And the book is called To Be a Chair. And called When I Grow Up, I Want to Be. When I Grow Up, I Want to Be a Chair. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I should have just let you tell me anyway. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> 
Uh, when I grow up, I want to be a chair. But the reason I was saying something here was because there's three lines. There's this little snippet on the website, and your website is just your full name, RyanRayHardbook.com. Yeah. Um, and it says this. It says, her story is not about a car accident. Her story is not about becoming paralyzed, but all she wanted was to be a chair anyways. Whoever's decision it was to put that out there on the website is a genius. Was it your idea? Was it your idea? Yeah. It just... I have, I could not before I even spoke to you I could not have been more drawn to wanting to read this book than than reading those three lines honestly it's just so incentivizing to learn more I, and I'm such a, a naturally curious person as I'm sure you've noticed but you know for me reading that I was just like wow this is going to be a book that really st- makes you stop makes you think uh, makes you really appreciate life as a whole as well and I I, I think I can't wait for the release. Um, you, you know you've already got a reader in me right here. I'm excited to get a copy of it. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, Ryan, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. I really can't. I, I really appreciate your willingness to, to share your story, um, to be open and honest about things. And again, for anyone listening, I'm sure there's been so, so many wonderful snippets here that you know, we can be impacted by. So again, thank you so much for your time and thanks for joining me on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. This was so great. Thank you so much, Steve. And my thanks again to Ryan for joining us on the show today. I warned you, didn't I, listener? I warned you at the front end of this particular episode that I was going to knock your socks off pretty much in terms of what Ryan had to bring to this episode. And I just thank her so much for, for sharing so much phenomenally honest and revealing information about the journey that she went through. And obviously, you can go through and find out so much more within her memoir that's coming out in the uh, early part of next year. Head to ryanrayharbuck.com to go ahead and get ahead of, uh, of ordering that book. And I give her a follow on Instagram as well, at ryanrayharbuck. In terms of just one or two things that I want to acknowledge before I leave you guys today, this is a story of fortitude, as I mentioned there within the episode. And live your life to the best of your ability. You know, having that type of a perspective, it's refreshing because at the end of the day, it all comes back to how you're willing to look at things. Are you willing to look at things in ways that allows you to live your best life? Ryan's been dealt some really tough hands at times and she still found a way. So it's time to be honest with yourself. What is your excuse? Very few of us can possibly say that we have gone through similar things that Ryan has gone through. It's an incredibly unique story. So with that being said, what is your excuse? Live your best life. Find a way to have that perspective of seeing things the way they need to be seen in terms of you being able to apply your best self. That doesn't mean ignoring issues. It actually means accepting issues. It means being really honest and open. And again, go back to my point at the beginning of the episode in terms of leadership this being a huge episode for leaders out there listen to what has been said if you want to lead and you want to bring the best out of people then you have to see things you have to see things with the best perspective possible things from both sides see the flaws see the issues identify how we can best overcome them that's leadership right there hone in on those small pieces of your day as ryan likes to do Find the strength that comes with being vulnerable as well. It's going to bring the best out of people around you. I guarantee it. That's what leadership's all about, folks. I appreciate you listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. And hey, 
If you did, make sure you're subscribing to the show so you get all future episodes. Those of you listening on Apple Podcasts, do me a favor, click that fifth star before we're done here. Thank you again for your time and attention today. I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.